Welcome to Slowpreneur, a podcast about building a business without the busy. I'm your host, Stephanie Pellet, and I'm a coach for thoughtful, values-based entrepreneurs just like you. On this show, we talk about creating a business with intention, heart, and sustainability in mind. Join me as I connect with my friends and clients and share my own reflections on why slow and steady entrepreneurship will always win the race. On today's episode, we're talking about strategies that can hopefully help us reduce our doom scrolling. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to Slowpreneur. Thank you so much for joining me. I'm Stephanie, and I'm your guide on this slow business journey. And today we're going to be talking about doom scrolling. This is a phenomenon that we have all experienced, I think, in the last few years and maybe particularly in the last few weeks where we feel unable to stop compulsively checking our phones, our social media apps, our emails, the news. It's this phenomenon of continuing to scroll, looking out for danger being aware of all the horrors that are taking place across the world and wanting to be informed about them. But it's almost as if our brains and our bodies have been hacked because we are so on high alert for everything that's going on. We feel vigilant. We feel like we need to remain vigilant because there's so much happening that is awful. There's so much destruction. There's so much violence. There are so many innocent people who are being harmed. And None of that is okay. I just want to start by normalizing the fact that I think doom scrolling actually makes a lot of evolutionary sense. We have this tendency in our bodies to look for danger. And when there are dangerous times afoot, as I feel that there are right now and have been for the last several years, it makes sense that our alert and alarm systems would be online looking for the danger, scanning for threats, scanning for news. And yet we (laughs) did not ever used to have these devices that kept us this connected at just a finger swipe away from images that we can't unsee, news that we can't unhear. And I don't think it is normal for us to be in that state of constant connection, despite the fact that this impulse is normal. It makes sense. And I think that it's important for us to have compassion for ourselves that when there are awful things going on, as there are right now in Gaza and in Israel, in many other places throughout the world, Ukraine continuing, we could go on and on and on. It makes sense that we want to know what those things are. We want to be able to help if we can. And yet doom scrolling itself is an act that can get out of hand very easily. I know it does for me. I know it does for so many of you. I put out a question poll on my Instagram asking people if they had any tips for navigating doom scrolling. And the amount of responses that I got shows me that we are all dealing with this to some extent or another, especially if we are deeply feeling people. And the reason I want to talk about it on this podcast, which of course is called Slowpreneur, is because you know that my ethos in life and in business is that we are humans first and business owners second. And anytime we want to talk about being effective in our businesses or in our lives, 
feeling good, being able to show up for our people, our communities, our clients, that needs to start with taking care of ourselves. And I think that doom scrolling and navigating the world of constant news cycles is relevant, extremely relevant to our businesses, how we run them, how we can or cannot show up, how we navigate needing to market our businesses while there is so much awfulness going on in the world. It is not an easy balance to strike. I think we have all experienced that over the last few years. So I want to talk about doom scrolling specifically because I do think that it has a massive impact on us as human beings and as business owners. And it is not particularly useful or helpful to us actually making an impact or staying informed or any of the things that we might want to do to help with the various crises that are happening locally or internationally. It's a habit that I think we all want to reduce because the true change, the true effectiveness, the true power that we have lies in first taking care of our own nervous systems so that we can correctly process information, so that we can figure out where our aid is most needed, so that we can find resources and voices that are telling us the truth and that are based on facts not based on emotion. Even though there is so much emotion going on, it makes sense for us to seek out the voices of truth and groundedness. And we can't do that if we are feeling overwhelmed all the time and helpless all the time. And I think that the number one habit that keeps us in that state of overwhelm and fear and anxiety and ultimately fight or flight which I feel is the state that makes us unable to really see each other's humanity or connect with one another or even even put in any new information. I really feel like it is almost impossible to process information if we are in a state of fight or flight. My mom always used to say, when you're panicking, your brain is not working. And I have found that to be true for my own life. If I start to spiral and panic, it's almost as if the words on the screen or the math problem in front of me when I was in grade three, it literally no longer makes sense. I'm not able to process it. And the moment that I can calm down, relax my nervous system, take care of my body and myself, I am able to solve that problem in front of me much more efficiently. And I think that we all want to be of service as much as we can, probably if you're listening to this. And I think the best way we can do that is taking care of ourselves. And I think for many of us, that does start with reducing the doom scrolling. So let's talk about it. I have some ideas and I also crowdsourced more ideas from all of you, which I think are extremely helpful here as well. We're going to get into it and I'm going to give you all the suggestions I have And then if you have more, you can feel free to pass them on because I think that this is something that we're all dealing with right now. Number one is to be woke without waking up to the news. I did not make up this language. I borrowed this from Austin Kleon, who first wrote about it back in 2017, not long after the election of Donald Trump, which was another dark time for many people. And he talks about how it is possible to stay informed, to stay connected, but that it doesn't need to be the thing that you wake up to. You have every right to wake up and do other things, to stretch, to pray, to meditate, to go for a walk, to do some writing before you tune in to all the horrors in the world. He says that this is not about putting your head in the sand. 
It's about retaining some of your inner balance and sanity so that you can be strong and fight. I love this phrasing. I think that it makes so much sense. When we roll over in the morning and we instantly reconnect back into that doom scrolling spiral that we probably fell asleep doing the night before, that doesn't actually help anyone. It doesn't help us. It doesn't help the people that our hearts are going out to. All it does is make us dysregulated. And typically I find that if I start the day in that kind of way, it tends to show me what kind of day I'm going to have. You know, whereas if I start the day in a slower paced way and I make time for some meditation or just not checking all of the various apps that I might have at my disposal, it tends to be a day that includes less of that kind of activity. This is related to another couple tips that I have that are essentially about shrinking down the window of time that you have available to you to doom scroll. Um, I used to do this thing I called Instagram intermittent fasting, which if you're familiar with the term intermittent fasting, it's essentially uh, reducing your eating window in the day to a certain amount of time. I cannot speak to the health implications of that in one way or another, but I will say that the term is helpful for me or was helpful for me when I was doing this more regularly, where essentially I would have a time at night that I stopped checking Instagram And then I would have, you know, a 16 hour window before I checked it again. Obviously this does take some willpower, although there are apps that can help you do this um, so that you don't have to do it all by yourself. But I loved it because basically it gave me a time in the day where suddenly we're turned on again. We're going back to Instagram, but we've shrunk the window down so that it hasn't been the whole day. It hasn't been from the moment we wake up to the moment we go to sleep. We're reducing the harm. It really is like a harm reduction approach. We are assuming that probably some doom scrolling is going to happen. Again, normalizing the activity. It makes sense why we're doing it. And to some extent, we are hooked into these systems. But the harm reduction approach says that although we're going to do it, how can we reduce the amount of harm that it's going to do to our brains and bodies? The other tool that has helped me with this tremendously, especially with the waking up part, is I used to do this thing and I'm now, as I'm saying it, thinking I should probably restart it where I would put my phone on airplane mode before bed. Now, obviously not everyone can do this depending on your care responsibilities or various other things. uh, But I typically would put my phone on airplane mode or at least do not disturb before I went to bed. And that way, when I woke up in the morning, I didn't have notifications on my phone. I didn't have anything that was immediately pressing God forbid any like news push alerts, none of that. So when I woke up, my screen wasn't already tempting me to go and check things. So I think some combination of, you know, setting up limits for yourself digitally versus also putting um, airplane mode on or do not disturb on so that you're not even tempted to check it as much. And then just remembering the mindset that it's okay to have some time for yourself. You don't have to feel guilty for taking that time. It's still possible to be woke without waking up to all of this news and activity. This episode of Slowpreneur is sponsored by The Profoundary, a coaching and community program for thoughtful entrepreneurs run by yours truly. If you've been looking for a supportive group of business besties who share your values and really get it, this could be the perfect membership for you because these people are truly amazing. Every month in the program, we have a bunch of different calls. For example, productivity parties to get our work done together, workshops on things like project planning, balance and boundaries, or goal setting. 
And we often do creative think tanks that offer custom group coaching for members for whatever they might be struggling with. We also have a really supportive Slack community with weekly check-ins. We have a resource library full of recordings and interesting workshops and a business book club so that you can learn about business from interesting and diverse authors. If this sounds like your cup of tea, I'd love for you to come check it out. You can learn more and get your first productivity party pass for free by going to stephaniepellet.com slash profoundary. I would love to see you there. Tip number two is to get better carrots. I think we've all heard of that analogy with the donkey and the carrot pulling it forward or the stick pushing it from behind. And I think that just in general, I believe more in positive discipline, uh, positive reinforcement. That's how I trained my dog. We didn't use any kind of punishing or, or negative behaviors with him. And he's a great dog. So I have seen the power of it working in real life. Um, But this just refers to the fact that it's not as effective to try to limit yourself or even punish yourself for your doom scrolling behavior. It is a lot more intuitive and easy to motivate yourself when you have better carrots that are pulling you away from that behavior. You see what I mean? So spending less time trying to stop the behavior and spending more time giving yourself other better things to do that will naturally just diminish the amount of time that you're spending on your phone. So obviously there are some really easy examples of this. Anything that gets you to leave your house (laughs) probably will reduce the amount of time you're on your phone, particularly if you're walking or driving or uh, doing something with your hands, you're not going to be able to physically be on your phone as much. Anything that is positive with your friends, right? So things I'm thinking about like Going to see the Taylor Swift movie, that's three hours long. That's three hours. I'm not going to be able to scroll on my phone. Okay. (laughs) Again, harm reduction, no problem. Plus I'm having fun. Plus I'm with friends. And it's just really about reducing the amount of time as a natural consequence of the other things that you're doing. Other smaller examples of this would be things like watching something on TV that's really compelling. I know that one's hard because even I struggle with this where sometimes I'll be watching something and then I'm also scrolling ah, two screens at the same time. Horrible, but we all do it. Uh, But also something like having a really good book. Can it be more powerful than your phone? Time will tell. But we've all had that experience where you're reading, you know, a really good thriller or a book you just literally can't put down and suddenly your phone seems so much less interesting. So obviously this is going to look different for everyone. You alone will know what your carrots are, (laughs) but what could it be for you? Maybe it's cooking an elaborate recipe that requires your full attention. So you have something really good to eat at the end of it. And throughout the process, you're probably not going to be scrolling on your phone. Maybe you go to a ceramics class, which requires your hands and cannot allow you to also be doom scrolling. I just think it's more effective to think about what are the positive motivators that will pull us away from this behavior naturally, rather than spending so much of our time and energy focused on how to reduce the behavior in and of itself. We almost need more interesting and exciting things to do. And again, before you start feeling guilty about this, I still think that this falls in the category of self-care. We have to stop thinking that being on Instagram or compulsively checking things is helping anyone. It is not. Instagram, social media activism is 
very, very, very much a small part of the puzzle when it comes to actual change that happens in the world. What is way more effective is you being part of things in your local community, writing letters, you know, signing petitions, going out in the streets to show your solidarity, whatever the case may be reposting something on Instagram is not necessarily the most effective way to help. So try not to feel guilty, right? For making time for activities that feel joyful, that feel fun, that feel exciting, that feel energizing, because I think you'll find that it's a both and situation. You can do that and you can still be helpful in any particular issue that you're trying to be helpful in. In fact, you're probably going to be more helpful as a result of taking care of yourself. Tip number three is to use the strategy of inconvenience. Now, obviously, we just talked about how carrots are better motivators. That is correct. But sometimes we still need some sticks, just just a few, not harsh sticks, just a little bit of structure in helping us to avoid the thing we don't want to do. And so the strategy of inconvenience, which is a term popularized by Gretchen Rubin, is a really helpful strategy. It essentially points to our human tendency to not really want to do things that are inconvenient. So if we make things just one more step inconvenient for ourselves, it is likely to change that behavior. It seems so simple, but it's actually extremely true. She always gives the example of somebody who wants to play guitar more, but they have their guitar stored in the closet downstairs. That is inconvenient. So it is likely that we are not going to do it as much as if it were out in the open on our guitar stand next to our desk so that every time we took a break, we saw it and it was convenient to just pick it up. So when it comes to the strategy of inconvenience in terms of doom scrolling, there are a few things we can do. Obviously, we all know about the screen time app on your phone. We also have um, screen time limits in terms of times of day. So if you wanted to do that intermittent fasting thing that we talked about, you could set that up automatically to block certain apps after a certain amount of time or after a certain time of day. We can also hide our phones, put it in a drawer, put it in the other room. I find that if I can't see my phone or if it's difficult to get it, if I have to physically get up and go and get it, Uh, I'm much less likely to do it if I'm already in another activity. So for example, if I was having trouble with scrolling on my phone while watching a TV show, if I got up and put my phone in a kitchen drawer and then went back and watched my TV show, it might be uncomfortable at first, but I can't scroll. It's inconvenient. And I'm probably not going to go and get it after a few minutes. Um, So hiding your phone from yourself, underrated, (laughs) really underrated. I actually... uh, recommend. (laughs) Even though it sounds silly, uh, I highly recommend. Other things that are inconvenient or that require you to uh, do something else with your hands. We already talked about something like a ceramics class or going to a movie that automatically limits the amount of doom scrolling you can do. But also at home, something like having a bath. I don't know about you, but I would not typically feel good about bringing my phone into the bath. So if you're underwater, (laughs) it's difficult to doom scroll. All of this sounds so funny, but it's true. If you're underwater, it's difficult to doom scroll. Um, Obviously, if you're committed, if you're committed, you still can. But all of these are ideas to assist you, to help you. Other things that can be helpful are apps. There's an app called OneSec that I really like that will essentially create a moment of pause before you can open the app. And it's extremely annoying 
I'll give you that because you have to go through some kind of mindful activity. On the free version, it's just taking a deep breath and then deciding whether you want to open it or not. I have found that to be super, super effective for me. Um, but they also, if you pay for the premium version, they can have multiple other sort of interventions that you have to do before you can access the app. And again, just adding in that little bit of friction, meaning that you can't just click it and open the app. There is a little bit of friction and it's annoying, but it does help you to reduce the behavior. Another app that sort of works in a similar way is called Forest, where you turn it on at the beginning of, let's say, a deep work session that you want to do, and it starts to grow trees. And if you exit the app, all your trees essentially die. <laughs> that's that's my understanding anyway, having used it in a couple of years. Um, and then what's great about this app is that the, the company will actually plant trees uh, on your behalf, not necessarily completely synced with the ones you grow on your break, for example, uh, but it will plant trees. So it's sort of like this little brain hack of, do you really want to leave this app if it's going to scrub all of your progress that you've been making towards helping the environment, it gives you that little extra boost of making things inconvenient for you. Again, all of this is only going to work if you actually allow it to be inconvenient and you allow it to change your behavior. And alone, these interventions might not be enough. Again, as I've said, I think it's way more motivating to have something better rather than just limiting a negative behavior. But I do think that using these in conjunction with some of the other strategies here can be helpful in reducing the amount of time that you're spending on each app. Tip number four is to curate your content. So you can do this in a few different ways. One of my favorite ways to do this is to actually have two different profiles. So I have two different Instagram profiles. I have two different email accounts. And this might seem silly, but sometimes going to my secondary Instagram account feels completely different than my primary Instagram account. This is because maybe I don't follow as many accounts, so it doesn't feel as overwhelming. Maybe it's because I follow more positive news there or things that are just more happy or lifestyle content. Again, we're not about putting our heads in the sand. That's not the point of this, but the point is that sometimes we do need a break and the doom scrolling is not helpful. So having a second place I can go, whether it's on Instagram, on YouTube, on Pinterest, whatever, that does help because I can mute accounts that don't feel good to me. I can follow things that feel more positive. I can look for the good news. And sometimes that's easier to do on a new account that you curate more intentionally rather than on your existing account where maybe you follow tons of different people and it can be overwhelming. Another strategy for this, if you didn't want to create another account, would be to mute certain stories. If you find that you are seeing content that is maybe not sitting right with you for one reason or another, just don't hesitate to use that mute button. I find that I have this compulsive need to watch all of the stories that are at the top of my Instagram. I don't know what it is. I'm a finisher, I guess. <laughs> I like to watch everything that people post because then I feel like I'm at the end. But a little hack for my brain is that if I mute certain accounts, I don't see those as ones I need to finish. Even if those people have active stories, I can more easily get to the end, quote unquote, of all the stories that are new on my Instagram. Is this great that I have this tendency? No. But does it help me to have fewer stories to go through 
It really does. So just trying to curate your digital spaces to be more supportive to you, whether that is trying to hack the algorithm to show you different kinds of things or avoiding your explore page altogether because that tends to be a place where I can get sucked down a rabbit hole um, or just muting accounts. But having that secondary account is something I would encourage you to consider. This is something I recommend in general anyway, uh, especially for email so that you can subscribe to newsletters and things like that on an account that will not clutter up your main email address. But this is also really useful for social media. And it's something that I do all the time with Instagram. Going onto my personal Instagram account feels like a bit of a breath of fresh air. It's a bit of a breather. And sometimes you just really need that. This is not an ad, it's a pause. I've decided to build an intentional break into every episode of Slowpreneur because I know I'm throwing a lot of ideas and hopefully inspiration your way, and I wanted to give you a moment to integrate it, to not have to pay attention, to not have to absorb anymore, to just marinate on what we've talked about so far and take a breath before we continue. let's get back to the show. Tip number five is similar, and this is to choose the lesser of the evils. So this means knowing yourself. This means knowing which apps or which platforms or which news sites are your biggest triggers and avoiding them. For me, this is TikTok. I am actually legally not allowed to have TikTok. I'm just kidding. (laughs) My personal legal structure. I am not allowed. I do not allow myself to have TikTok on my phone anymore. I love TikTok and I will still download it sometimes for, you know, sometimes you're in the mood for a little binge and sometimes I will, but it is actually kind of dangerous for me to have it because I will scroll and scroll for hours. I find that anything that is short form video content, that just takes my brain to this other completely hacked place and I am suddenly powerless over the scrolling of my thumb. So YouTube shorts has become a problem for me. TikTok is a huge problem for me. The Instagram Reels page is a problem for me. And so knowing that, it allows me to loosen up about the other kinds of social media apps I'm on as long as I'm not on the things that really trigger me into losing literally hours of my life into these apps. I will look up and have been on TikTok for an hour easily, easily. I often get that notification that TikTok sends of you have been on here for too long. Give your thumbs a rest. And I'm always like, screw you. (laughs) Um, I want to stay on. But it's true. It'll just go by so quickly. And I won't even realize because my brain is just in that space. So for me, choosing the lesser of evils means looking for long form content on YouTube, trying to read email newsletters or trying to read articles or being on Instagram, looking at people's posts, looking at people's stories, but trying to avoid the reels page. So all of that is, again, with the harm reduction approach, this is just finding better scrolling. I have heard from people, and I'm going to share this um, later on in the crowdsource suggestion part, 
But Pinterest has become a new place for people to scroll because it tends to be a feed that feels more grounding, right? It might have ideas for your home space or new recipes or things like that, but it tends to be a little bit more removed from the doom scrolling element. So finding better scrolling, finding things that are the lesser of the various evils is and can be a helpful approach if you're struggling with the doom scrolling. Tip number six is to create as well as consume. And I know that this one is difficult. It is far easier to passively consume content, whether that is Instagram or YouTube or a show or a movie. It's way easier to just absorb that information than it is to reach down inside of yourself and find something that you want to share outwardly with the world. I get it. It's hard for me too. And I also know how much better it feels to create than it does to consume. I used to have a phrase kind of in my head, I can't remember where I first heard it, which was create before you consume or to create as much as you consume. And I feel like (laughs) those days are behind us. I'm not sure if that is accessible to me personally. However, I want to amend it to say create as well as you consume. So just alongside in whatever capacity you have, try to create something. And we're not talking necessarily about huge artistic masterpieces of creativity. This could be writing one page in your journal. This could be taking a picture of something and sharing it to your Instagram. This could be practicing one second every day, which is an app that I love where you store one second of video every single day of your year. And then at the end of the year, you have this beautiful montage of every day of your life for that year. And that's a practice that I consider creative, right? I'm capturing something and I'm putting it into a format that will later be a form of art that I can look back on. That is a form of creativity. Writing a blog post is a form of creativity. If you do something like the five-minute journal, which is both a physical book and an app, that is a form of creativity, I think. Anything that you can do that allows you to use your voice, use your skills, use your creativity, your eye, whatever, I think that all of that can be really nourishing and can be a really beautiful replacement for the consuming, the endless endless consuming. It's also a little bit more challenging, but in a good way. It takes more of yourself to create than it does to consume. But I think that you'll find that exercising those parts of yourself, whether it's in writing or in art or in speaking with a friend or whatever, I think you'll find that exercising those parts of yourself actually feels really good, better than consuming ever could. So I encourage you and myself (laughs) to try to prioritize more creation alongside our consumption. Okay, so those were my best ideas for how we can reduce our doom scrolling, but I also wanted to share some of the suggestions that I got from the community when I posed this question on Instagram, because I think that these are all very real, and these are things that real people are doing right now to try to take care of themselves, so I wanted to share them with you. I'm just going to read them out anonymously, um, but some really great ideas here. So one here is give my hands something else to do, like embroidery, cross-stitch, or knitting, Love that. Again, you can't really scroll if you can't use your hands. This one says, throwing your phone across the room into a void where it can't be found for hours. (laughs) I think that counts as the strategy of inconvenience. If you have no idea where it is because it's in a pile of laundry, you can't use your phone, right? This one says, look for peace, look for zoomed out 
day after forward thinkers and mute or unfollow everyone else. I love that one. That's basically reminding us to look for people who are integrating information, really grounding into their own bodies, and then sharing it in a thoughtful way the day after. Love that. This one says, I put my phone in grayscale, which keeps me off of it almost entirely. I have definitely done this before, and it is shocking how much less interesting your phone is when you put it in grayscale mode. So I love this. This person wrote, I wish I knew. Yeah, me too. But the little posts of hope, like all the Jewish voices for peace rallies, keep me going. I think that's really beautiful. Someone wrote, so hard. I will search Instagram by hashtag instead, for example, hashtag small wins to see what people are posting to see the good in the world. I loved that. I had someone write, Pinterest and deleting screenshots or clearing my downloads folder have become safe spaces as I'm trying to stop doom scrolling. Love that. Someone wrote, I deleted Instagram on my phone so I can only check it on my computer, which has really been helping. I have also done that in the past, and I find that it is way less fun as well to be on your computer on Instagram. And this person also wrote, I also make a point of not looking at my phone for the first hour when I wake up and have a book close by instead. So love that. That's a form of intermittent Instagramming as well, which I love. Um, Another one that I wanted to add here that I just remembered is the app Flick. So any app on your phone that almost feels fun, it almost feels like social media, even though it's not social. Flick is an app where you can kind of swipe through your photos left or right as if you were swiping on on a dating app that will either keep or delete photos. And so it's a way of cleaning up your photos, looking back at memories. It's really fun, um, but it also is productive because you're clearing through your endless library of photos if you're me. Um, I already mentioned One Second Every Day. That's an app that I find really fun to go on. So finding those apps that feel more interesting than uh, social media, or at least (laughs) as interesting. So those were the suggestions that we got. I think that there are so many good ones there. Thank you to everyone who wrote to me and shared what you are doing to kind of take care of yourself during this challenging time. And I want to thank you all for listening today. I think that this is a really important topic and it's not just relevant now because there are such horrific events going on in the world. Obviously it's relevant all the time, reducing the amount of time that we can spend on these apps that have been specifically designed. Again, remember that specifically designed to hack your brain, uh, to keep you on them as long as possible. That is always a struggle that I think we are going to need to be reckoning with, uh, as business owners, as humans, I think that developing these skills to be able to reduce the allure and the siren song of these apps and technologies is a really important skill. That is something that we are endlessly going to need to strengthen in ourselves and for each other. So if you have any suggestions that weren't covered here that are helping you to reduce your time on apps that don't support you or you don't feel support you as much as you are on them, then please feel free to reach out and let me know. I would love to get your suggestions. This is something that I am actively working on in myself. I feel like I have gone through seasons in my life where I've been much better with this and then seasons of my life where it's much, much harder. So if you're struggling right now, my heart is going out to you and my heart is going out to everyone in the world that is struggling right now. Um, And I think that the best thing we can do to help others is to first help ourselves, to take care of ourselves, to be kind to ourselves, to be good to one another. And I hope that we can all do that this week to really 
gently calm our nervous systems and see one another's humanity because I think that that is always going to be the way forward is to take care of one another as much as we can. So if you need a hug today or any day, I am sending you a big one. Thank you so much for being here in this space with me. I know we're not physically together in the same room, but I can feel your heart. And I'm just really, really grateful um, for my community. And you are part of that. So thank you for being here. Thank you for caring as much as you do. And I will catch you on the next episode. Thanks so much for listening to Slowpreneur. If you liked this episode, please share it with a friend or reach out and let me know at hello at stephaniepellet.com. I would love to hear from you. As always, you can find show notes for this and all episodes at stephaniepellet.com slash slowpreneur. Thanks for listening and I'll talk to you soon.